when we learn a little bit about the science behind those decision-making processes, whether we're at the top of the mountain or in a valley, the decision-making is, is quite similar, but it always will help us discern what's the next right thing for us professionally or personally. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the OPL podcast with MCIU. My name is Brandon Langer, and I am the Program Administrator for Instructional Technology in the Office of Professional Learning at Montgomery County Intermediate Unit. Welcome to our podcast series where we get to sit down with educators across the state, across the country, and talk about all things education and how we are all working to bring meaningful learning experiences to our students. We're very excited today to have Suzanne Daly join us and talk a little bit about her work, what she's doing with her podcast, and we have two awesome project consultants from the Office of Professional Learning joining us as well. So I'm going to hand it off to Suzanne to introduce herself, and then we'll get rolling. Hey, everybody. I'm so happy to be joining you today. Um, as Brandon said, I'm Suzanne Daly. I'm an instructional coach for the Central Buck School District, which means I have the honor and joy of working with about 600 elementary colleagues. And I'm thrilled to be with you here today to talk about the Teach Happier podcast. Hi, everybody. My name is Carrie Rhodes. I uh, work in the Office of Professional Learning as a project consultant, and I'm a member of our SEL team uh, in the Office of Professional Learning. Hey, everybody. I'm Erin Barry. I also am a project consultant in the Office of Professional Learning at Montgomery County Intermediate Unit, also part of the SEL team. And we're so excited today to dive into some conversation with Suzanne around her podcast and this whole idea of teaching happier. So let's get started, Suzanne. Why don't you, if you could, tell us a little bit about yourself and your professional journey to get where you are today. Sure. So as I said earlier, I'm an instructional coach for Central Buck School District, and I work primarily with elementary teachers, which means I'm doing workshops, I'm teaching model lessons, I'm observing colleagues and giving feedback. I'm still teaching just about every day, which is wonderful. I've been a teacher for over 20 years now. I am a nationally board certified teacher and also have a reading specialist certificate. And I am a fellow of the National Writing Project. So reading and writing are very natural loves of mine, which is really helping me as we create content for the Teach Happier podcast. That's awesome. Thanks so much for sharing. What is, if you could kind of dive into your why behind your work? Well, as educators, regardless of our role, our work is just so important. And the only thing that's more important, in my opinion, than our actual work is how we show up for our work. And so we all know that if we want to show up for our students and our colleagues at school, but we also want to show up for our family at home we need to lean into learning a little bit more about what does science tell us makes, makes us happy, makes us successful, helps us thrive in when we need to be really resilient, which is right now. And so the why is just, there's no um, more important job, in my opinion, than the role of an educator. And the way we show up is just really important. So it's it's just learning how we can do that a little bit better. And the good news is it's not hard. It takes work and it takes practice, but we're never talking about those huge 180 degree shifts because nobody has time for that. Uh, because not only are we teachers, but we're parents and we're partners and we're friends and we're siblings. And we're all those roles. And that takes a lot, a lot of energy. And so if we can just lean into those more, those like two degree shifts, 
that when practiced over time, that's what will make the measurable positive impact in our personal and professional lives. I, I couldn't agree more. I think you're absolutely right with regards to this current moment. You you hit the nail right on the head with, we don't have a lot of time, right? It's very hard to maintain those roles that we that we have to show up for. You've referred a little bit to this idea of positive psychology. So could you give us a little bit more about like your research that sort of informs your work around your podcast? Sure. So positive psychology is really... Um, scientists who learn what makes people thrive, what makes them happy, what makes them have um, resilience, especially in, in hard times. And so one of the best things I learned, and this was about maybe 10 years ago, I was reading Sean Acor. He's my favorite positive psychologist. So if you're interested in a starting person, like that's your guy. He's had TED Talks and Oprah's talked to him. Brene Brown has talked to him. And his book, his first book is called The Happiness Advantage. And that's all about increasing our individual happiness. And I was learning a little bit about his work and he he worked at, at Harvard. So, you know, just a small little college. And he started understanding that four out of five students that graduated from Harvard graduated with some level of depression or anxiety. So four out of five. Now, the the severity of those diagnoses would, would, would change certainly, but four out of five, that's huge. So he said, give me that fifth person. Like, I want to know what made that fifth person resilient and thrive and succeed under the same pressure and expectations. And so about 10 years ago, when I read that, I was just so interested that there was a science behind how we can increase our baseline levels of happiness, right? Because Erin, your baseline level of happiness might be different than mine or Brandon's or Carrie's, but everybody has that baseline. But science tells us there's these small things we can do to increase that baseline level, which is the best news ever. And so another thing that Sean said, 10 to 20% of our lives we have no control over, right? Like the family that we are born into, who our president is, what the mask mandate is, right? We don't have control over any of that. But that's like the best news ever because that leaves 80 to 90% of our lives at school and at home that we can influence. So once I started learning that, it was this big tipping point in my life. And so I am just naturally interested in reading certainly Sean Acor, Brene Brown, uh, Glennon Doyle, Edith Eager, these amazing people that are out there that are not only giving us the science behind it, but then also inviting us to, to apply this in a practical way. Something that you'll hear sometimes on the podcast once we talk about that in a minute is being underwhelmed by these practices, right? And knowing that they are grounded in science. It's not rainbows. It's not unicorns. It's not to toxic positivity. It's something called rational optimism. And when we put those two words together, that means that we acknowledge when we're in a hard season, when we're in a tough season, and then we understand those small shifts that we can make. So I'm reading, I'm researching, I'm listening to podcasts, I'm getting anything, anything I can get my hands on. I'm trying to learn from those positive psychologists based in neuroscience and then trying to consider what we can do 
as teachers, as parents, as partners, and all those other roles so that we can be the best versions of ourselves, showing up for ourselves and for our others as healthy as we can, both in our head and our heart. You make it sound so easy, Suzanne. I mean, well, <laughs> it is a discipline though. It does, to, it, it is a very conscientious effort. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, there's no better place to put that effort, right? Well, and Suzanne, I think when you say that, it's making sense because you're talking about resiliency, which mm-hmm. I think resiliency implies hardship or, or downtime or where, you know, again, everybody's might be a little bit different. You mentioned about a flow or I've heard it referred to by others as a valley. I'm in a valley right now. I need to get back to the top of the hill, whatever. However you want to look at that, is there science or have have any of these people spent time talking about the ebbs and flows of that? Some of it's just life. Some of it's just, you know, where right. how, how things ebb and flow through life. I don't know. Does it ever get into that area? Absolutely. And I love that, you, that you're saying that. So I had said it earlier as like a season, right? Like shamrock shakes are only there for a season and pumpkin spice lattes are only there for a season. But we're going to have those really hard seasons when things are hard professionally or personally, or if you're lucky enough, both at the same time which is what a lot of educators are experiencing right now. So it's not just the, everything's going to be fine. Just keep going. It's acknowledging this is a hard season and then trying to discern what's my next right thing. Because your next right thing might be something like making a really hard phone call or your next right thing might be logging off taking a shower, getting out of there, right? And so when we learn a little bit about the science behind those decision-making processes, whether we're at the top of the mountain or in a valley, the decision-making is is quite similar, but it always will help us discern what's the next right thing for us professionally or personally. So I'm so glad that you brought that up, Brandon. Suzanne, I just wanted to comment too on the idea of what you basically just talked us through and the idea of it being like a cycle, right? You Mm -hmm. experience these hard seasons, but we need to be able to figure out where can we harness some rational optimism, right? So that when we do show up 80 to 90% of that time, right, that we are walking into it and walking into any of our situations in a thriving way or being able to be full of, be full and whole and joyful in those moments. And it's not necessarily like to your point, it's those small shifts throughout our day that we can kind of kind of look at. But I, to your point, I think also is the idea of acknowledging and naming that. That can, I think, sometimes be just the hardest barrier for us to get to before we put those those uh, pieces or those steps in the place of, of practicing something. Um, and it just sometimes being able to, to sit in conversation with somebody and just acknowledge and name that brings the shoulders down right from the start. And then I can access a point of which, what can I put into motion to show up better for my kids or my students or my partner. And I think then from there, it feels, it just generally feels better, right? Like it feels even just, even for that short moment, it feels better. And I think that's the piece that is helpful in what I've learned at least so far through listening to some of your podcast episodes. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the podcast? So the podcast is, again, it's, it's five minutes. Maximum. And that's just because, as as we mentioned earlier, we're all really busy, regardless of whatever our important role in schools is, right? If we are a classroom teacher, if we are a psychologist, if we are a custodian, if we are a support staff, if we are a building secretary, it's just really, really busy. And so very few of us have time to like put in our AirPods and go for 
90 minute walk and listen to to a podcast. So every Sunday when we're all getting those Sunday scaries, um, a five minute or less podcast will be released. And it really is just sharing one of those small shifts. I don't know if any of you guys are like whitewater rafters. Erin, I feel like you might be one. But if you like fall off the raft, the first thing they tell you is you have to be part of your own rescue, right? You can't just wait for everyone to come get you. And that to me is really the perfect metaphor. So in these podcasts, I try to share what's one small thing we can do to help like get our paddle back or to help get back on that raft and be a part of our own rescue because overwhelmingly positive psychologists will say, we can't rely on anybody else to make this happen. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if we could? Turns out we can't. So that does take work and it takes commitment. We say that it's happiness is a discipline, which is kind of a buzzkill, but I can't rely on anybody else to be in charge of Suzanne's happiness. Like Suzanne has to do the heavy lifting. But when you look at it with these small shifts, so for an example, one of the podcast episodes that was most popular was called Even If. So... I tell a really short story about when I wake up at night, it's usually around 3 a.m., really great. And I just start worrying. I just, the first thing I think of is like, what should I be worried about right now? Not healthy, but as a 42-year-old adult, that is what happens in this season. So I start worrying about what if, what if the technology doesn't work for um, my conversation with the IU tomorrow? What if my daughter has a hard day at school, right? What if, what if, what if? It's the small shift in language, thoughts, or actions. So I'm going to take those what ifs and I'm going to turn them into even ifs, right? Even if the technology does not work for my conversation with the IU, we will reschedule, right? Even if my daughter has a tough day at school tomorrow, we'll make a snack. We'll talk it through, right? So it's those really small things that, as Carrie mentioned earlier, you might just be underwhelmed. Like, really? That's it? You just change a word? Yeah, that's it. Because if I practice over time, right, not this 180-degree shift, this two-degree shift of going from what if to even if, that is going to make permanent positive impact in my life, both at work and at home, because what's starting to happen too is in my in my lessons with kids, whether it's a math lesson, reading lesson, or even a positive psychology lesson, we talk about the even ifs, right? What if I forget my homework, right? Even if you forget your homework, right? And so that really is an example of how it shows how we can maximize that 80 to 90% that's in our control. The what ifs, I can't control if the internet goes out again, right, Aaron? Because it went out on us before. <laughs> but the even if part, the rescheduling, I can have a say in that. So it's just those small things. Another podcast that was popular recently was called You Are Not a Strawberry. Every podcast is like a little story and then an invitation for us to consider. So the little story was I'm making lunch or I was making breakfast actually and I was cutting up fruit for my oatmeal. And I open up the strawberries and I noticed there was like a moldy one. I was like, oh. But then what I noticed is the strawberries right around that moldy strawberry, what was happening? They were getting moldy too. I'm like, oh, this is a metaphor. The good news is that we are not strawberries. Meaning if we are around someone who is toxic, who is bringing us down in a really exhausting season, 
we are not a strawberry. We're not stuck in the pint of strawberries. We can move away from that person or we get to determine how much time and energy somebody like that gets, right? So every podcast, it's the little story and then the small shift. So the small shift would say, just be mindful as you enter this week, who's getting your time? Who's getting your energy? Are you creating healthy boundaries? Is this person, or you want a text thread with this person and it's just coming at you after school, create some healthy boundaries, honor those healthy boundaries and see if that makes an impact, a positive impact in your life again, again, at work or at home. So that's really how the, how the podcast goes, small story, little shift. And then we kind of reflect over the week to see if it makes a big difference. So some folks are saying that even if has made a huge difference, that, that whole notion of like, who's the moldy strawberry is making an impact. But again, five minutes or less. Well, and maybe you can turn your hard season into just like maybe a five series, five minute episode over a couple of uh, of talks and not necessarily a, a whole mini series of, of bad seasons. So I think that's helpful advice. And it's also, I think, helpful in allowing us to feel, which often I think happens when we're in those tough seasons is feeling out of control and not feeling as though we have a voice or a say or how to set those boundaries. So I think it's providing more autonomy and bringing that control back to the self as well. Well, you are into season two of Teach Happier, right? And so I'm curious, and Erin and I have talked a little bit about it in terms of the episodes that we've listened to and, and the progress that you've made over season one and season two. What are some of the things in season two that you're most proud of? The things that I'm most proud of is when I'm hearing from somebody through an email or a DM or a text of, I tried the little shift and it's really making a big difference for me, you know, or I shared this with my family or I shared this with my students and we're trying it. And, you know, it, it and it's always the simple stuff that over time makes the biggest difference. It's really interesting we have, I think, about like 13,000 downloads at this point. And we have, it's, I say we, it's me, it's it's me on the floor in my closet, like talking into my phone. So, um, but we have people listening in over 26 countries, which is just so great because I think that shows the need for rational optimism. Yep, like this is hard, but what's within my realm of influence or control and just we're, it's an exhausting time right now, right? I think collectively we thought we might be in a better place right now, either professionally, politically, emotionally. Turns out we are not. And so the success is really just hearing back from folks who are trying some of these small shifts and then sharing them with, with other people as well. So I have to admit, when I first started listening to your podcast and before I met you, I got a few episodes in and I had just finished the season two of Ted Lasso. (laughs) And all of a sudden I thought in my head, this is like the podcast version of Ted Lasso. And then I got a couple more of your episodes in and you were talking about Ted Lasso. I was like, see, the the alignment was there. It it was, it's the podcast version of Ted Lasso for those of you that are out there. (laughs) And while Ted might give a, um, an entertaining side of this, I think the, like you had mentioned, the, the length of time that you can commit to yourself and give to yourself of just those few minutes really does help to provide some type of impact and shift in in your daily. Thank so. you. But there's no there's no language like Roy Kent. 
we acknowledge what Roy Kent would say, but we do it in a family-friendly way. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's more on the on the Ted uh, characterization than on the maybe supporting character characterizations. Where we know the success that you've been having and, and we know the timeliness of it, but where do you see your work going in terms of Teach Happier? I've got two dreams. One's starting to be actualized. And the in the first dream is this getting into our classrooms a little bit. So if I'm a teacher and I listen to an episode that means a lot to me, I relay that to my students in a way so that it could hopefully help them as well. If I believe like if we had this kind of knowledge when we were in our formative years, I just feel like we possibly had a better chance of entering adulthood a little more content, aligned, or balanced, right? Like we're not saying we're walking in there with jazz hands and again, the rainbows and unicorns, but just really understanding ourselves a little bit better, understanding that when our happiness baseline increases or decreases, we kind of know the why behind that. So the first thing I would love to see is some of these lessons being shared with students. Um, I've been sharing versions of these lessons as young as second grade. Certainly the language and the approach changes a little bit, but they can get the whole notion of the moldy strawberry, right? The language might be a little different, but but they can certainly get that. So that would be dream one. And that's already starting to happen a little bit, which is really, really exciting. And then the second dream is to kind of culminate some of these lessons into like a into a book. So here's the small shift for us as teachers. Here's a lesson that could accompany the small shift. But then a principal welcoming their faculties in August. Welcome back. Here we go. Here's our new initiative, right? And so we're all like bracing ourselves like, oh God, what is it going to be? And that school administration says to us, the initiative this year is you. You are going to think about what is your baseline? How can we increase that happiness baseline? And we're going to focus on making sure that you feel as content, aligned, and balanced in your head, in your heart, so that you can show up really beautifully for your students, for your colleagues, and for your family. So we're going to pull back on a curriculum initiative. We're going to pull back on a insert any other type of initiative there is. And the initiative is going to be you because I do believe that that is what is going to help us regain a little bit and it's going to help us heal. It's going to help us come back stronger. And again, it's coming back stronger, not just as our roles as educators, but it's all those other roles that all of us have. That is my dream um, to let us put ourselves back on the plate, back on the to-do list, but not create noise by adding all the other stuff too. So I'm putting it out into the universe like it might happen. (laughs) Suzanne, I love it. I love it. And I think when I say that this is such a needed in the moment thing right now, I can't, you know, express that enough, but this is so needed in the moment for so many people right now. It's just such a hard time as you've alluded to. I also love that in this work, you, you don't just refer to our professional lives. You call out the fact that we have roles in many different spaces and that's personal and professional. And I have to agree that the way in which we show up in those spaces 
impacts everything that occurs, whether it be learning or teaching or being a good partner or being a good parent, just impactful in so many different ways. So your presence alone, I think, speaks volumes. I love listening to you, obviously, but I I think that you bring such a, a joy to the space. So I can't thank you enough for joining us today on this podcast. And we're going to hopefully hear a lot more about you in the future around all these great dreams you have. And yes, I am hoping too that that initiative is what happens in the future. So let's call PA Department of Ed. Um, and make it happen. <laughs> so thank you, Suzanne. We appreciate your time today. We look forward to talking with you again in the future. Thanks, everybody.